two things for you today. Number one, I've been thinking about um, the different steps in the process. So this is a first first draft. Uh, I'm just going to read through it, and uh, you can tell me what you think of this. So here you go. All right. So I was I was titling this the Twelve Steps of Brokering, and I've I've only read a couple of the steps. So I'll share with uh, you number one and two. So the Twelve Steps of Brokering like the 12 days of brokering, turn it into a song. Step one, you have power over your own stress levels from day one. Fail to understand basic process and your business and life will become unmanageable. Take a step back from yourself for a moment and observe how you allow a transaction to flow. Who's driving the bus? The client, the referral partner, the realtor, the lawyer, the underwriter, the lender. Who's driving the bus? Who's got the wheel? Who's got the pedals? None of the above, not exactly, none of the above. You, you are the bus driver. It's, you know, your business. Your business is the bus we're talking about. And you get to decide who stays on that bus. Sometimes people will sneak onto the bus. That happens, but you control where that bus is going and how fast it's going to get there and the exact route it's going to take. And, you know, what bus driver in the history of bus driving stood up and let one of the passengers drive the bus? Like, that's not a thing. Could you imagine that scene? What had happened? I mean, everybody would get off the bus, but first they take a video and snap pictures and they tweet and post and the bus driver would be internet famous and nobody would get on their bus ever again. Your business is the bus. So you're being paid to provide a service, and with every service, there are required steps. They happen in a specific order. It's no different with our business. And do we know the order that these steps are meant to happen? You know, think about it. If you want a, a Subway sandwich, Poke Bowl, or Chipotle, you line up at one end of the queue, and you answer the questions in the order they are asked promptly. And if you don't, you go hungry. You can't go behind the counter and start telling the barista at Starbucks about how you read on the internet that Tim Hortons does it another way and start comparing the prices of the two and asking for a discount. Those aren't options because the expectations are clearly set. That's why. So why are expectations not as clearly set in our industry? Because there's 18,000 of us and we're not, we're not doing it 18,000 different ways, but we're probably doing it 1,800 different ways. And, and most of us do, including myself, uh, lack a certain degree of structure. Some have more structure than others, but are we as structured as we could be? Is anyone watching this able to say their business is perfectly structured? I know a few of you that could actually say yes, and you'd probably be pretty close to correct. But we're largely an industry of AAA personalities who each know the right way, the best way, i.e., our way, right? So there is a higher power in this and you need to surrender to it. And I'm using some language that a mortgage coach used with me one time. And of course the higher power he wanted me to surrender to was, was him. Uh, but I would suggest that the higher power we need to surrender to is the acceptance of a system, right? And define yours. I mean, just starting out uh, from the 100,000 foot view, Let's talk about a paper calendar, an online calendar, some kind of scheduling system to build routine into your life because routine is the foundation on which every system is built. This will happen at this time of the day, etc. So again, I could go right into the weeds and we could talk about the actual details of 
in taking the mortgage application, which I'm going to get to again anyway, but that's a big topic. And collection of documents and the actual ordering of the appraisal and what that process looks like when it happens. And not enough of us have sat down and written those steps out and not enough of us have firm policies around what happens when. The number of times I run across brokers you know, pulling what little hair they may have left out, in my case, for instance, in the 11th hour, because they still don't have down payment documentation on a file they did a pre-approval for in January that went live in April, that is closing in the middle of July. And six and a half months later, they still don't have down payment documentation. And it's now threatening the funding of the file. And you know what's gonna happen in that documentation you know what's going to happen. You're going to get the bank statements. There's going to be cash deposits that can't be explained. There's going to be a car payment that wasn't on the credit bureau. There's going to be a transfer in from who knows where, from a friend or from another country or whatever. You know that's what's going to happen. So how do we deviate from these policies? Well, a lot of us don't have policies in the first place. But let's back up a little bit, back up to 100,000 feet, start with something simple. And so that's what I'm going to just focus on today for this next little piece. I'll come back to this next Monday and we'll go deeper. Your business hours. So this ties into a post that I put out on Friday. Define your business hours and then try to color outside the lines as little as possible. You know, once you define them, you need to build some lines of defense around each block of your time. When you define these hours, this is what's going to happen at this hour. You need to build a little bit of a barrier to other things spilling into or out of out of that time block. I used to hate the word time block. It sounded like income block. Like I'm not going to not answer my phone for an hour and focus on this because when my phone rings, that's the sound of money. That's the sound of a client who needs my help. That's my reputation on the line. I've changed my thinking on that to some extent, but these basic steps that I'm going to outline here will go a long ways to creating some barriers around your time at work and your time not at work, which is a place that we should all go sometimes. And we should really try and be not at work when we're not at work. And of course, we should really focus on being at work while at work. So number one, and some of you are aware I do this, update your voicemail daily, right? Good morning, it's July 13th and you've reached the confidential voicemail box of Dustin Woodhouse, please leave a message or send me a text and I'll be back in touch ASAP. Happy Monday. Every single night at five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock or so, as you're ending your day, your work day, update your voicemail for the next day. So it's not something you have to think about in the morning when you wake up, it's how you end the day. Because anyone who calls that evening will then receive a voicemail from the future. But what is that message, what's that conveying? What's the message being conveyed to the person who calls you is that you've left the office for today, but it's okay, you're gonna be back tomorrow because your voicemail has already got tomorrow's date in it. So it's great for taking pressure off that incoming call in the evening. And anyone who calls at any point during the next day, they know you're in the office because you've recorded a voicemail that says you're in the office that day. I tried to adopt this 20 years ago when I first heard it uh, from a fellow I do business with locally here, and I failed miserably. Uh, but for whatever reason, the time was right about a year ago, I adopted this as a habit. It's been more than a year, and, uh, and I've still, I still fail about one in a hundred times, so about three times a year. 
3.65 times a year, uh, you know, I, I wind up failing. But for 90 days plus, I get it right every time. And I, I think I'm probably on a six month, oh, no, I'm not on a six month run. I'm probably on a six week run. So like I say, the daily voicemail update. The other piece, use a scheduling app to control how people book times with you. So check out schedule once, Calendly, uh, HubSpot, what, whatever one you want to use, and don't spend hours trying to figure out which one to use. If it comes down to it, I mean, just pull out a coin and flip a coin and pick one. They're, they're not that radically different from one another. Don't agonize over spending 150 bucks or whatever it is for, for a year to use one of these things. I think Calendly might be way cheaper than that. Anyway, use one of these things. Every single person who has adopted Schedule Once Calendly HubSpot's another one I've heard good things about, has said, oh my gosh, this has changed my life. And, and it does, because what you're doing is you're creating a link that's in your email signature. It goes into templated email responses to clients who've inquired about booking a time with you. And it gives the client the ability to access your calendar. Now, when I say access your calendar, I mean access your calendar. You're controlling what they see. So you can give them access in a way, they're not seeing your calendar per se, like they're not seeing who you have other appointments with or anything like that. What they're seeing is available time slots. So you can create different types of meetings, pre-approval conversation, mortgage renewal conversation, mortgage application conversation, and then you can set time parameters around those. Mortgage renewal conversation, 15 minutes. Mortgage document sign up, like mortgage commitment signing uh, call. 45 minutes and so the time helps you set an expectation for the client right away so if it's a random client we haven't even really had a connection with but they want to talk about a pre-approval they can see that that's a 15 minute block and you're setting an expectation for them on how long that conversation is going to be so again maybe you want to set it to 30 minutes whatever you get what i'm saying so as I say, these tools are very, very powerful because there's no more back and forth. Well, I don't know what's good for you. I don't know what works for you. How about next week? How about this week? How about, like it eliminates all that. They go in and they see it. And a critical thing when you're setting this up, any of these tools up, do not allow meetings to be booked every half hour. Don't allow that. Be, be far more draconian, be far more strict with your time. Like be, be greedy with your time. Dole out five meeting time slots a day, like 10 a.m., 11 a.m., 1 a.m., 2 p.m., 4 p.m. Like, that's it. Like, be super tight about that because I assure you, you do not want to have three or four or five meetings booked in a row every half hour. You will not be able to recall what was said on the first one, two, or three calls. You'll start mixing up the details and you've just gone two and a half hours straight without responding to a single email. You've missed other phone calls. It doesn't work. Set your meeting times on the hour. I never had a meeting time that could be scheduled before 10 a.m. And Mondays, you couldn't book me until 2. That was it. Monday mornings, I left completely blocked off because that's when all the new offers come in. Fridays, you couldn't book me past noon because... That's when I'm struggling with, you know, subjects and conditions and everything else to try and get files across the finish line because they need to be broker complete before the client removes their conditions. So these scheduling apps, very powerful. The other thing I would strongly encourage the use of, in fact, I just used it an hour ago myself, delayed delivery. Figure out how to use delayed delivery. Go to YouTube, find a tutorial for whatever email service you're using. 
delayed delivery is your friend, right? When you send an email after hours, schedule it to arrive at 5 a.m. the next morning or 8 a.m. the next morning, whatever you like. This avoids getting mired down in an exchange at the time you don't want to be getting into an exchange. So yesterday afternoon, I was doing a lot of writing, and when I would take a break from writing, i jump in my email and was just cleaning up the last couple days of emails, right, things I hadn't quite responded to. But I didn't hit send so that it, the response hit the person's inbox right away because I didn't want to start a back and forth at all. Worse, I didn't want someone to do what they've done in the past, which is pick up the phone and call me and say, oh, hey, I know it's Sunday, but you're in the office working. So, hey, I just got a few questions for you. Be super protective of your time because it's not about managing your time as much as it's about managing your energy. And you've got this block of energy right now on a Sunday, let's say, that you're going to commit to catching up on your inbox. But if you suddenly start playing the whack-a-mole game where you send three emails out and three more come back right away because the people are now conversing with you, defeats the purpose. So, as I say, delayed delivery is absolutely your friend. And, uh, yeah, as, as I say, it was actually 6.30 last night when I was typing this, and I cleaned up a dozen or so emails and used delayed delivery on every one. And then this morning I did so. Um, it's a conversation that's not really work-related per se, and I just didn't want it filling my headspace. So I typed out my thoughts, I typed out my reply, and then I used delayed delivery and emailed the reply to myself for five o'clock this afternoon. Well, I'll retype it and I'll send it to the person who will receive it at like seven o'clock tomorrow morning because I'm not gonna ruin my evening going back and forth on this topic. Delayed delivery, can you tell I'm a fan? The other one, create an out-of-office alert for the weekends, right? So you email me from about 5.01 on Friday afternoon uh, through until Monday morning at about 8 o'clock in the morning, and you're going to get an out-of-office email alert. And it's a short, simple one. Thank you for your email. If the matter is urgent, please call or text directly to 604-351-1253. Otherwise, all emails will receive a response will receive a response no later than 10 a.m. Monday morning. I will do my best, always. Make the most of the weekend. Thanks, Dustin. I put that on every single weekend, and it's not so much about people thinking like, oh, I'm taking time myself, or anything like that. It's not about that. What it is, is it's that call that you're going to get and, you know, the story I use is a, is a true story. I was at a wedding sitting around, you know, the, the eight or ten person table uh, and my phone rings. And it's like 7.30 on a Saturday night and we're just sitting down to have the, the wedding dinner. And um, it wasn't my own wedding. That would really be bad if I, if I had done this. But my phone rang and I jumped up and ran out of the room, took the call. Very important client. One of the biggest mortgages I'd ever worked on. Super, super important client to me. Also connected to a super important referral partner. So yeah, I answered that call. And this was early days. Like, I mean, we needed to close that file. I needed to build that relationship with that client. See, I'm, I'm putting the, these grabbing hand motions in. Like, I had to hang on to that. So I went out, I answered the call, and he says, oh, hey, hey, Dustin, sorry to bother you. I just wanted to make sure that you got my email. I'm like, yeah, okay, hang on one second. I, you know, put it on speakerphone or open up the email. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I see it here. Okay, good, good. I just wanted to make sure you got it. All right, well, enjoy your weekend. I'll talk to you Monday. No problem. I said, okay, man, you too. Thanks so much. And I went back in and sat down. 
and the whole like, oh, you're such a workaholic, all that nonsense began. And uh, like, they don't know me. They don't know what's going on in my world. Like, it wasn't about being a workaholic. It was about not losing my house. It was about saving my ass. Like it was about digging out from a huge hole that I was in. You know, when I got into this industry, like I had to bust my ass. So getting a bunch of flack while sitting next to my wife at the time, you know, what's supposed to like, it just, it was not great. And here's the thing. If that gentleman had received an out of office response from me, he would have known his email had hit my inbox and I never would have had that stress. So I share that story with you to hopefully allow you to avoid that same kind of stress. The last bit I'm going to talk about around this sort of building barriers around your time and protecting your days, figuring out which days you want to be at work, which days you want to be not at work, whatever that looks like, and then building the barriers around that is a special note around vacations. All right, so first off, if it's April, May, or June, don't take a vacation. If it's April, May, or June, and you're going to take a vacation, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. The rest of the year, I'm still going to say, don't send out a mass email to your database letting everyone know you're going on vacation. That is unnecessary. The majority of your database wasn't even going to be in contact with you during that time. So it just doesn't matter. It's, it's really, it's a bad, bad idea. Because that's great that you're going on a fantastic vacation, but it's hitting the inbox of people whose lives are in a completely different sp space, and they are not going on vacation. And it's not a good feeling that they get. So I would, I would absolutely not put out there to the database that you're going to go take a vacation. So if you just slip away and you're on vacation, having an out-of-office alert, what does that look like? Well, I think you want to be a little bit careful with that because a lot of times, well, look, I, I sum it up with this as well. Are you taking a vacation to the dark side of Mars? Are you truly going to break your addiction to email and your phone? Are you really going to walk away from your business for three days, three weeks, whatever it is? I mean, even if you are on the dark side of Mars, Elon probably has a cell phone tower up there by now anyways. So if you know you're going to check your email, if you know you're going to check your voicemail, if you know you're going to be holding your phone in your hand and replying to text messages, then why put up an aggressive filter about being on vacation that, and I say aggressive because it makes people feel guilty when they get that notification back for reaching out to you. Oh, I'll bother somebody else. I, d I don't want to bother you. Sorry. I'll, I'll go to somebody else. And that's the danger. Your clients, realtors, etc., suddenly start going somewhere else just for the three days, just for the three weeks. But think about why you sent a file to the last lender, the last file you submitted. Odds are, some of you, the file that you last submitted, it went to the same place the file before that or a file before that went, and it went there because of the relationship you have with the underwriter. And if that underwriter leaves that lender and goes somewhere else, you try and track them down. If that underwriter goes on vacation, you may hold off on sending files to that lender until that underwriter comes back. That's how strong the broker-underwriter relationship can get. Well, the referral partner-broker, the client-broker relationship can be the same way, except it often isn't. They just wind up going to a new source and then they go back to the person who helped them the last time, which is no longer you. So I'm not saying don't take a vacation. I'm just saying you may want to keep it on the down low a little bit more than I, I sometimes see, especially if you're going to be interacting anyway. Like if you're really not putting your phone down, that's where you're at. 
And as far as an out-of-office alert, if I were ever to take a vacation, um, mine would probably say something like this. Thank you for your email. Due to attendance at an annual industry conference, responses will be delayed. If the matter is urgent, please call or text directly to 604-351-1253, and I will do my best to excuse myself from the current session. Otherwise, all emails will receive a response no later than 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. So now I've freed up my day, other than the odd call or text that might come through, and I'm probably gonna catch up on my email in the evening. And uh, the last piece of this uh, topic, pre-written text responses. These are great. So you've got an incoming call that you're unable to answer, set up pre-written text responses. Most phones allow for at least three different versions. Uh, a couple of my own are, are as follows. Um, and it's just short and sweet, right? Just on the other line with a client, call you back ASAP, bang. It pops up as the call is coming and I've got the option to just select that, that choice. The other one that I can select, uh, tied up in a series of meetings today, if possible, please email me at dustin at mtgarc.ca. Thanks. So as I say, that's kind of the image that I want to be presenting at all times. I'm either on the, on, on the other line with a client or I'm in a conference related to my industry. This is who I am. There is no other side of it. Of course, there's another side of it. If you follow me on Instagram or you, know, you follow me on Facebook or whatever, you know that I do more than just work. But as far as communications via email and text, especially if it's, it's clients who are new and they're not connected to me socially, I want them to feel like they're interacting with a professional. It's pretty vital.